This is Game On, discussing the biggest games and all the latest sports news with Johnny Montabano and Hank and Dichter on the Empty the Bench Podcast Network. Welcome to Game On on the Empty the Bench Podcast Network, episode 44. Hank and Dichter, Nick Morgison. Yes, Johnny is not here again, but he'll be here next week. I promise. But, uh, Hank, it's great to be back doing content together. Yes, definitely. And, uh, Johnny, we miss you. We know you will be back soon, but yours truly is back from his vacation. Better than ever. Let's go. I am very pumped up about a certain blue hockey team, you know, the one on ice at MSG, the one that I think will probably get Patrick Kane by the time this show airs. But that's besides the point. We will talk about that later. Nick, how's it going with you, my friend? It's good. There's a lot going on in the world of sports, including baseball, which is back in the news all over again. Uh, make sure you Not follow... exactly for the right reasons. <laughs> you're, you're right. Uh, make sure you follow the show on social media at Game On ETV, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, make sure you follow the Empty the Bench Podcast Network at ETV Network, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Uh, but yeah, we have a lot to get into, so we'll get right into it. Um, a lot of baseball in the news, uh, Hank. And right off the bat, I can't believe we're saying this. Pitch clock violation ends Braves-Red Sox spring game in a tie. Can I just say right off the bat, and yes, I use that word on purpose. See what I did there, fellas? (laughs) Yes, I did. Did you think Rob Manfred could find a way to let this game sink any lower? Not really. Actually, to be honest, I kind of expect nothing less from him, but that's besides the point. The fact that this, he is lucky that this is something that caused a tie with spring training. Can you imagine the outrage we're going to be dealing with once something like this happens during a regular season game? Not really. I mean, how I, I, I have a lot of questions, a lot of questions. And as of this recording, February 27th, the day we're recording this, it's too early to be yelling about baseball. And yes, but but we're but we're doing it. And why the I, I know why the pitch clock. I know that they're doing it because batters step out of the batter's box for like five minutes and never get back in the batter's box or the pitcher walks around the mound for five minutes and never gets back on the mound. But I don't like the whole thing, like where they're calling batters out on strike three or they're putting ball four on the pitcher as a walk for missing the clock. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's overkill. It's just, it's, it's weird. It's, and like the announcers were losing their minds on this specific thing. If you didn't see this in the Braves Red Sox game, I think 
uh, earlier last week. It was a 3-2 count with the bases loaded, two outs. And I guess the rule is the batter has to be looking up at the pitcher with by the time eight seconds are left on the on the clock. If you don't, then it's a strike. So they uh, the umpire called him out, and that was the end of the inning. It literally ended the inning. Like, what do you do? What do you, Hank? What do you do about this? I don't know. Uh, maybe see that the experiment is a failure and don't use it anymore. But we know they're not going to do that. Oh, that's good old Rob Manfred for you. Where is it? I'm going to bring it out. There it is. Good old Rob Manfred all over again. I have uh, a few soundbite songs that are stuck in my mind, but I think you have a feeling which ones I'm thinking of. Uh, well, oh, well, yeah, there's a few soundbites I could play here, but I'll save that because there's plenty more to get into. But I don't know. Are you good with this so far? Are you not good with this so far? Do you think it's going to last? Uh, I have a feeling it's only going to be a matter of time before all the backlash causes Rob Memfred rethink this decision. But that's just me personally, and maybe that's just my wishful thinking. I don't know. But again, if you're going to use pitch clock for Tim to impact some parts of the count, I can sort of understand this personally. But to have it cause strike three or ball four, get out of here. I mean, my thinking is that if you want to do this like innings one through eight, I think that's fine. But I think in the ninth, you can't have the pitch clock, especially if it's a tie game or a close game. Um, I don't know. That's just me. If the game is tied and you're calling a, a strikeout on a violation of the pitch clock, uh, I, as an announcer, I would criticize the shit out of people if they did that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, 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 Rob Manfred has made some pretty dumb rules over the last year. And they're talking about doing automated umpires, possibly. They're doing it in the minor leagues. They're already testing. I think they said three days out of the five or six they play. They're going to have automated umpires. And then two of the days they'll have regular umpires. Just so they can have some sanity. But some sanity? There is no sanity. That's San- what I was gonna say. What what sanity? Baseball doesn't have sanity. You wanna know what sanity they have left? It's the sixty five to death demographic that watches baseball. That's the sanity they have left. I well I don't know. We watch baseball, but are we like the rare in our thirties guys that actually still watch baseball. Well, we grew up liking it while it was still quote unquote cool. It's a good point. You're right. I, I, I guess that makes sense. No, no, that does make sense because. But then again, there are a lot of people our age that, you know, slowly walked away from liking baseball after a while. And I can't, excuse me. Sorry. I don't know why I'm yawning here. You can use put that in the funny reel. I can't <laughs> say that I blame him, but I guess that yawns apropos for how most people feel about baseball nowadays. At least people in our age bracket. 
oh man, right right away we're on a roll here. <laughs> right. And it's just it's frustrating, it's annoying, it's I don't know how to describe baseball anymore because baseball is an old man's game. And I hate to say that because you can get all the people who are in their 50s, 60s, 70s, even 80s. And it's run by old men who are out of touch. That's a good point. That is a very good point. It's run out of it's run by old men who are out of touch. We all know that. Including Rob Manfred. Um, And his predecessor, Bud Selig. I mean, this doesn't even include the I don't know if you saw this, Hank, either. Did you see the whole new argument that's going on between the MLB and the MLBPA? What was it? That MLB is trying to constitute a salary cap and Tony Clark basically said, get lost. I mean, it's not the first time that a salary cap was seriously brought up in terms of baseball. I mean, you want to look back, go to the 1990 strike, and there was a whole argument on that. But then you know who the main guy who wanted who wanted a salary cap was, right? Uh, no, I don't know who the exact person was. Who was it? That was, I believe, Jerry Reinsdorf, the White Sox owner. How apropos. And you know who else was in that group of owners who wanted a salary cap? Who? Bud Selig. Oh, well, wasn't he an owner originally before he became Well, he was owning the Brewers at the time, yeah. And I wouldn't say he was exactly a prize as a commissioner, to be honest. And this was the argument that, you know, led to Faye Vincent saying, hey, stop, we need to get a season going. And that eventually led to Faye Vincent getting kicked out, which if you look at the butterfly effect... You can say that led to the strike of 94. It's a good point. You're right. And the time to add a salary cap would have been years ago, but now I don't know if it's going to happen. With all these large contracts, how can you salary cap? You can't. Mm -hmm. I mean, and we're going to get into one of those gigantic contracts that were just signed in a moment, but I just, are we going to get into another strike because of this now? It wouldn't shock me, and it would suck that there was a strike, but I don't think you and I would be shedding tears as much as we love our uh, baseball. Well, I, I mean, I don't I want mean, to sound like I'm speaking for you, but you know. No, no, you're right. Because I, I, right now, like for me, to be honest, it's NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL. Sorry. I know I'm, ta- <laughs> I'm talking to an NHL fan. <laughs> I mean, you're always welcome to start watching the Rangers, and now would be a good time because, I mean, look how good they are right now. I do watch the playoff stretches when the New York teams are in, though. See, I feel like you watching the hockey playoffs is essentially like me with watching the basketball playoffs. Like, I don't really watch it enough during the regular season, even though this year I've, like, had a good reason to watch a little bit more of the Knicks. But, like, you know, even then I'll never put the Knicks ahead of the Rangers. But, like... Right. I'm actually going to the Knicks game on Wednesday against your Brooklyn Nets, so that should be a lot of fun. It'll be a lot closer now with KD and Kyrie gone, but I digress. And hey, the Knicks might actually win a game because yours truly has never seen the Knicks win a game live in MSG, and yet I've seen many a Ranger victory. I've also seen many a Ranger loss, too, but that's besides the point. Interesting. Um, no, I've seen, I saw Kobe destroy us one year. It wasn't the 62 point game, it was a different isolated game that happened in the early 2010s. I saw. Steph Curry break the three-point record. I saw 
a few other random games against schlub teams where the Knicks just were bad and lost, and I saw them lose earlier this year to the Celtics. So right. still waiting on my first Knicks win at MSG. <laughs> Not bad. Um, but speaking of that money issue, which MLB is already having money issues, I'm sure – and. Johnny and I discussed this, and Tom and I discussed this on Empty the Bench. Um, did you see the issue with uh, Diamond Sports Group and the uh, affiliates? Well, because of Sinclair going bankrupt, might not uh, that MLB might lose fourteen of their affiliations with uh, Sinclair? No, I didn't see that. <clears throat> Excuse me. So basically, what's going to happen because Sinclair, which owns. Uh, Diamond Sports Group and had all the affiliates. 14 or 15 teams are going to end up without local home affiliates. They're going to end up back in baseball's hands. And you, you know how dangerous that's going to be. Mm. Yeah. Again, you know what I have to say? And uh, I think you can put it up on the screen. Uh, oh, you mean that? Yeah, yeah. That's exactly it. I should leave this up the rest of the segment for baseball. But basically, so 14 or 15 or 16 teams, I can't remember. It was a lot. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, are basically going to end up with their rights back in Rob Manfred's hand. And basically, he came out and said, well, we're just going to stream everything. And we're going to take it. So guess what? Your 65 to death demographic is now going to have even more problems watching baseball. Good job. I wanted to grow the game. What happened to growing the game? I guess he. I guess that's counterproductive. Like, see, I hate to be a, a jerk with comparison. Like, and I generally don't like comparing things unless it's absolutely warranted. But guess what? This is absolutely fucking warranted. Look at the NBA with how they stream games. Like, you're right. So many ways that NBA fans can access their games. MLB is terrible with the way they let their fans access the games. It's true, and the streaming is a problem. How is how do they not see what's wrong with that? Because I'll tell you why they don't see the problem. Because they really only see one thing when it comes to the streaming. You know what I mean? Do you know what that is? Can I say it? Yes. It's all about the money! ka if I was ready for it. <laughs> I it, was hoping to get us to do that in unison. That was perfectly timed. So, yeah, it's all about the money. And baseball, uh, Rob doesn't care about going to the game because he has an exclusive Peacock game at 11 a.m. on Sundays. or well, Which he can watch in his uh, villainous-looking James Bond lair. I mean, <laughs> tell um, me he doesn't look like a James Bond villain. He like, does look like a James Bond villain. But he yeah. looks like he could have, yeah, I can't even say work for Dr. Evil. He just looks like he could have been a typical James Bond villain. But think about the issues, and you're going to see more of it because of like deals like Apple TV or Amazon or take your pick, Peacock. They're all extending their deals. The Yankee games, I think in the next two years, according to the Amazon deal, they're going to have 100 games out of the 162-game schedule on Amazon exclusively over the Yes Network. What does that tell you? I'm sorry. 
What? That's what they were talking about. So last season, I think it was 33. I think this season, it's supposed to be like 66. Mm-hmm. And then I think the next season is supposed to be over 100. That's so bad. I mean, I know we're younger, but how do you, for the most part, how do you watch a baseball game? I mean, you could do what I do and just go to one, but that's not that simple. Well, generally speaking, watching. No, I don't know. TV. Yeah, TV. So if you're going to take that all away, you're just compounding the problem because people who are 65 and older don't know how to use a tablet or a streaming device. At least most of them don't. I don't know. Baseball's got a lot of problems. And then I'm going to lead right into the next thing because this is what I found hilarious. So Jeff Passan breaks this story uh, the the day before we were recording this, that Manny Machado and the San Diego Padres are are finalizing an 11-year, $350 million contract extension. Now, Manny Machado came out a few days ago, if I'm not, uh, if I'm correct on that, and basically was was screaming and yelling and said he was going to opt out. Is that right? Yeah, I believe so, unless this is some sort of revisionist history, which I don't think it is. So he comes out, he says, the market has changed. I'm opting out of my deal, which, by the way, he was not going to get more, really a, a heck of a lot more money than, I think he had like $140 million left or $150 million left, whatever it was. And by the way, Mr. Baseball, who's co-hosting with me, where is all this money coming from, from the San Diego Padres? I'm pretty sure Preller Palooza has it stored under some mattress or something, just saving it for a rainy day and the hopes of being a degenerate gambler and going all in. And actually, let, let me put it this way. I feel like AJ Preller does the James Holtower thing. <laughs> That's good. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I'm wondering the same thing because – you're investing in Machado. You're investing a lot in Xander Bogarts. You're investing a lot in the guy that whose contract you think probably should be voided. And while I'm sure certain members of this brand, one that's still here and that's a very prominent member and one that's no longer here. And a number, another member that kind of borderline thought was a ridiculous take, but somewhat saw your take now kind of is on the same realization as you that that contract should be voided. Sorry, I didn't mean to go there, but you knew I kind of had to. And, oh, I didn't even mention that you still have Juan Soto with one year left on his contract after you made a ginormous trade to get him from the Washington Nationals. And you're still going to have to pay him if you want to keep him around long term. So, Well, it's funny you brought that up because there's a a guy out there. I think his name is Hector Gomez who covers covers MLB. And I can't find the tweets at the moment. But apparently he said that the Padres are are planning to sign Soto long term also. Uh, they probably will, but 
and like short term again, you're trying to. Sorry, let me get that another yawn out of my system. Thank you very much. <laughs> you're trying to compete with the Dodgers. And, you know, that's all fine and good. You probably have an opportunity to win that World Series. But what will it cost you in the long run? It's true, and I don't know, and by the way, you're going to laugh at this next thing I'm about to say, that supposedly the Padres want to make a run at Shohei Otani. Again, is there any, any limit to what sort of money is under that mattress? I don't even know what Preller's wealth is, or where it's from, or all of a sudden... Or- the team went from being or acting like they were broke to now they think they're Steve Cohen uh, Jr. Could this be him? Or or maybe he just has a credit card and he's just spending it around like a college freshman who's using it for the first time. I'm sure he's <laughs> heard use that expression many times. <laughs> Or, or basically, it's like, let me just swipe my credit card a million times and they don't realize they have to pay it at the end of the month. Or like SpongeBob when he was buying gifts for Pearl's birthday. <laughs> That's a good one, too. But I just, I don't, but here's the difference, though. The Dodgers who spent all this money, what do they have to show for it? A COVID World Series ring. That's right. about it. And, who knows if that's not a COVID season if they actually win? They probably do, but we'll never know. I'm sorry. For please forgive my yawning. It's you're, been a long day. I'm... You're good. Um, but the Padres are going to be the same thing. So now you just gave Machado three hundred fifty million dollar contract extension. Who knows what you're going to get out of Manny Machado? I. I'm not the biggest fan of Manny Machado, to be honest. Oh, he's dirty. Like, I was, I never really liked him to begin with. I mean, the one play that sticks out in my mind is the Orioles athletics where he throws the bat down, I think, at Josh Donaldson, if I'm not mistaken, right? Well, I also remember when uh, he spiked uh, Aguilar when he was during the NLCS. Oh, first base, right. And yeah. then I also remember even though obviously, you know, we hate the Red Sox like him. He pretty much ruined Dustin Joy's career. That's true. You're right. He slid into him. I mean, always been known to be a dirty, a dirty player. Like, why does he get the $350 million contract extension? Like, what has he done to warrant this type of contract? I mean, look, I'm going to play devil's advocate for a little bit. Okay. Just a little bit. This is the same Manning Machado who had a really strong second half of the season and was a big reason the Padres made it to the NLCS for the first time since, I want to say 1998, because I don't think they made it back to the NLCS after that one of those two years they made it to the World Series. Right. And fun fact, that's the first time they made it to the NLCS in the millennium. Right. And... I should also mention he is one of the best third basemen in baseball. And do you know how many elite third basemen there are in baseball besides Manny Machado and besides um, besides Nolan Arenado? Is he the best third baseman in baseball? I said besides Nolan Arenado. No, no, no. I'm, but I'm I'm saying in general, like, is he or is he one of the best in baseball? I don't know. 
at one point he was in that conversation. But with that being said, I did a short video on this on the Review and Preview Sports YouTube channel, which if you want to give a subscribe, a like, and a comment, please do. Sorry. It was good. No, no, it was good. I watched it. You know I always have to shamelessly plug my stuff whenever. No, it's good. I, I watched it. It was good. Yeah, no. I I did. I made a little video, and as I said, Manny Machado is past age 30. No? Yes. Yep. At least you from what I remember. You possibly expect that contract to hold up by the time he gets past his mid-30s. Actually, he's 30 right now. Point proven. You cannot expect that contract to end well, especially when you're also going to be paying mid-30 to late, mid to late 30, early 40, Xander Bogarts, that kind of money too. I mean, I'm trying to do quick math in my and head. Either, are either of them even going to still be playing their positions by the time they're that age? But you have DH now, so it doesn't matter. Well, but... Yeah, but you only have one DH. You mean like the, oh, you're talking like the whole Yankee situation with Stanton. Yes, that's exactly where I'm getting at. So that's the issue you're going to run into. Tatis, Machado. Tatis is already, what, playing left field already when he's supposed to be playing shortstop? And and then you paid, went out and scored for another shortstop. Oh, with uh, Bogarts. Yeah. So... You know what? You know what's confusing. I'm going to give you a new phrase. Okay. So you know severance. You know about some of the other uh, quotes that I've used over the past year and a half that I've been with you guys. Yeah. Let me give you another one. Log jam. (laughs) You can use that for the Yankees and the Padres because that's where they're heading. Log Um, jam. (laughs) Actually, I don't know if it if that's has as much of a ring to severance, but it's good though. I suppose it works. It works across all sports. Oh, just like like seven. Oh, it's funny I should mention that word because that could be what the Padres are giving those stars eventually. Severance. Really? <laughs> I knew that was going to come out, but the, but but you know what though, Hank? You know what the difference is? Most MLB players finish out their contracts even when they're on the north side of thirty. This is true. This is you true. don't see like in the NFL where players just get randomly cut. And then they have to be paid. Well, or actually, it's even worse. If they get cut, they don't get paid at all. But so I was looking at the contract. So three fifty over eleven years. It's almost thirty two million a year. I mean, you thought a family of four couldn't afford a game. Now you add this contract to the mix. What are the Padres charging for tickets? That's what I want to know. And that's a park I want to see. Oh, I want to see that too. I still, I still have a ways to go with regards to ballparks, but I think I've done like eleven or twelve. I think. Oh, you've done more than I have. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I haven't done one since COVID. It's been like three years since I've done a ballpark, but, um, yeah, I, I want to go on like a California trip, or I was talking to the guys, like, like if we could take a week and we all just go to the stadiums in California and do, and we could do content. Like on the West Coast, that would be fun. Um, that would be pretty cool, actually. I'd have to see if we can all uh, make that happen. Maybe, uh, maybe in the summer. But because uh, I know you and Tom are teaching in school, so at least you'll be off. Oh, um, well, hey, I get an off day this week because of the uh, snow day. Oh, do you? Mm, okay. Well, 
uh, depending on when this well this comes out. Uh, no, well, I know. I already yeah. got the text that I'm off. So Woo-hoo. nice. Um, but yeah, this contract is kind of ridiculous to me, and it does. It's never learned, do they? No, and eleven years, three hundred fifty million, and you know Manny Machado is going to pull up with injuries, and there's going to be days he doesn't want to play, and he's going to be like, "Well, I have the big contract; I can do what I want," like every other big uh, free agent contract or or a contract extension that's signed. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much on the MLB front. So we have pitch clock issues. We have contract extension issues. We're going to have shifting issues. I don't know. What what else do you want to add to that list? Um, maybe ratings issues, maybe stadium attendance issues, probably more that we haven't even gotten into, but that would probably take up a whole show now, would it? I mean, it's February. It's the end of February. We're not even supposed to be yelling about baseball yet. Damn it. Uh, all right. I'll rant on other stuff probably once hitting for the cycle comes back. And I hear you've been a part of that show a few times, Nick. Oh, I can't. I, I'm waiting for that show to come back. There's so much I can say about baseball. Um, yeah, I'm right. sure you'll be on some episodes. Yeah, I definitely will be. Uh, all right. Let's move around. I know this is a big topic for you. You want to talk some NHL trade deadline? Yeah, and I would say I have a few big winners with regards to the NHL trade deadline. The New Jersey Devils yesterday just made a big trade with the San Jose Sharks. They ended up getting Timo Meyer, and, you know, that's a really good trade. You can put him up there with, uh, say, Dawson Mercer and uh, Jack Hughes. And uh, let me uh, give you the whole figures of that deal. I believe it was... um, they sent him, they sent um, a forward teamer, Ibragimov. Ibra, I don't know how to pronounce his name. And then a lot, they sent a lot of guys to New Jersey. The Sharks are are taking on half of his uh, cap hit. But the Sharks ended up getting a first round pick. They got a few forwards, some defensemen. And the Sharks didn't really win that trade. I mean, Timo Myers, one of their better playmakers that they had. And they sent him to a team that's, you know, pretty much young and that's up and coming and doesn't have an experience. So I would really much experience with regards to the playoffs. I mean, this is really the first year that you're going to make it with the young core with guys such as Jack Hughes, yes, Rebrat, Dawson Mercer. So definitely a good move there, but we'll see if it helps them with regards to the playoffs. The Toronto Maple Leafs made a good trade too. They got no. Noel Achiari, Achiari and Ryan O'Reilly from the St. Louis Blues. And the Blues, based, as I'll get to, are pretty much, you know, tanking and, like, rebuilding. Because they also traded Ivan um, Barbashev. And I told you a bit about the Vladimir Tank- Tarasenko trade that helped the Rangers. And I'll get into a little bit more of that later. But the as far as the Toronto Maple Leafs, I think they won this trade because... One of the things that the Maple Leafs had been lacking for years was toughness and leadership. And those are qualities that you're getting in Ryan O'Reilly because he's a seasoned veteran who has been around the block for a while. He 
rotted in Buffalo for a good amount of time, but then he ended up winning the Conn Smythe at, when the Blues went on their Stanley Cup run. So I think he can definitely help out the team that, you know, we always knew that the Maple Leafs had a talented core. They were just a team that just could never get it out of their own, own way. And, you know, they still haven't won a first-round series since we were in grade school. Well, would you say the Maple Leafs and I... And I mean, I you do... had John Tavares, you had M- Mitch Marner, you had Austin Matthews. Right. And, and I've heard, because uh, I do follow the sport, I try mm-hmm. to, that, like, like you said, I've heard, like, the Maple Leafs are almost, like, a little bit frustrating to watch at times because everyone says Dallas Cowboys territory. That's it. That's what I couldn't, I couldn't think of the team of the team. I was, people were comparing them to the Cowboys because like they have a lot of talent. They get a lot of hype, but then they don't come through when they're supposed to. And they're also a big market team because if you, if you look at Toronto and hockey, like the market in Toronto makes New York seem like pretty mild. Right. Like that fan base, like, if you thought the Yankee fan base can be nuts when they're successful, imagine what the Maple Leafs can be like when they go on like a deep run. Like take a look at how Maple Leaf Square is. That that'll tell you all you need to know. Right. And Although I'm I, sure Montreal has their own sort of craziness. That's beside the point. And I find I find the NHL trade deadline interesting because I feel like I feel like things are a lot quicker at the NHL trade deadline than a lot of the other trade deadlines. Would you say so? Yeah. Definitely. Um, and uh, there were some other good moves, too. I, the Bruins ended up trading for uh, Garnet Hathaway and Dimitri Orlov. And speaking of which, the Capitals are another team that I feel like is trying to sell, which kind of seems surprising considering you still have Alexander Ovechkin as he goes on his chase for, you know, the record with for most goals scored. But. I think that was definitely a good deal for the Bruins and they pretty much got deeper, but I also like what the uh, Tampa Bay lightning did by adding some depth in, in uh, I think his name is Jano. It's, it's a French Canadian name, but the lightning ended up improving their depth. So I think those two teams could really, that could seriously be a death match. Should they match up in the second round? But here's the crazy part about the NHL. The deadline has become such an arms race, especially when you look at the Eastern Conference, because, Nick, look how many great teams there are. You have the Devils who are in second place in the Metro. You have the Hurricanes who are in first. My Rangers are in third. And then you look at the other division in the Atlantic. You have the Bruins who currently have the best record in the league. And in addition, you have the Bolts. And the defending champ, well, not defending champions, but they've been in the comp, the Stanley Cup finals the past three years and they won it in 20 and 21. So they could look, they're looking to bounce back and get that third and four years to fully cement their status as a true NHL dynasty. And then, of course, you have the Toronto Maple Leafs, who, as I mentioned, they've always had the talent, but they've just never really been able to get it out of their own way. It is an absolute bloodbath in that conference. And you want to know the scary part based on how the format is two of those teams are guaranteed to be bounced out in the first round. See, I always found the NHL playoff format to be exciting, even though I'm it's on like the bottom of my list. Like I feel like just watching you watch the games and we've watched the games like, and by the way, I'm going to get to the Rangers in a bit. I just want to talk about the NHL as a whole. 
No, no, you're right. I'm just saying, but I like I was I'm giving the NHL credit from the standpoint of the playoffs because I feel like there's never really a dull moment when it comes to the NHL playoffs. Like in the NBA, which I can speak to from more experience, is like you have down moments when teams blow out other teams, and then you're just like, oh, all right, now I I have to either turn it off or I have to wait until the team makes a run again. Like in the NHL. You can watch games constantly. You, the games will always, for the most part, be close. And just the playoff atmosphere in the NHL is way better. Yes, absolutely. Especially game seven overtime. Like, you're going to get a heart attack, like, one way or another. Like, and this is a line that Brian Attard has often said on Blue Truth that I absolutely believe to be true you get no joy out of like watching the playoffs. I mean, I wouldn't not. Okay. Technically I don't agree with that. I always get excited and amped up whenever, like I'm about to watch a playoff game, especially as I'm about to go into the garden. And by the way, yours truly already has like a good bunch of his playoff tickets already bought, but that's besides (laughs) the point. Right. Other than that, you don't really get pure joy until after it's over. Until then, it's pure agony, agita, anxiety, nail-biting. And in the end, you were either going to be extremely ecstatic or very disappointment. disappointing. But that's pretty much the way it is. And now, if I may, can I get to um, a certain <laughs> team that, you know, I only follow on a consistent basis? Well, I think you're talking about a certain uh, star player pretty much might be heading to New York. So, with regards to the New York Rangers, they have been improving their team a good deal during this deadline. And, you know, I talked a little bit about the trade for, um, for Vladimir Tarasenko and why the Rangers essentially came out like bandits in that trade because you gave up one of your lower tier prospects. You gave up multiple draft picks and the draft picks, by the way, for those who are crying about like, Oh, we got to get rid of a draft pick. You're going to finish pretty high this season. The draft pick is not going to mean shit. You only have a certain amount of time in your window to try to win a cup. And that's what the Rangers did when they got Tarasenko. And with that trade, you essentially put together a an insanely good scoring line because you already had Kreider and Zibanejad, Artemi Panarin, and Vincent Trocek. Now you had throw Tarasenko in there, loaded. And I didn't even mention that you still have the kids, uh, Capo, Lafreniere, and, and Filipino, all of whom have been absolutely amazing since January. But Tell me again more about how Gerard Gallant isn't good at developing young talent. Yeah, I don't know why people make that statement. I no, mean, it, here's crazy. Well, here's why. Because a lot of fans seem to love to overvalue young talent. They always say, oh, I want to play the kids. Get them more ice time. They're going to develop. When you forget that you need guys like Chris Kreider, Artemi Panarin, and Mika Zibanejad, to play well like they're the reason why the rangers are in conversation for the stanley cup at this point so 
another trade that they just made, they brought back Tyler Mott, who was a fourth line center on the team last year. He was one of the, he was a guy that was essentially a rental that they got from the Vancouver Canucks last year and good penalty killer and a guy who's solid at taking face-offs and, you know, you need depth if you're going to go on a deep run for the Stanley Cup playoffs. And so Tyler, getting Tyler Mott back was definitely good. And I mean, people were upset about getting rid of Julian Gauthier, but again, really, you're crying over spilled milk. Julian Gauthier, while he had the talent and he was fast, more often than not, he couldn't end up finishing on his breakaways. Like the guy simply did not have a place to play. It's basic math right there. Not right. all the young players are going to get a chance to play. So now we get to the big fish. And it didn't look like this was a realistic possibility at the time. But let me bring up a quote that Patrick Kane said when um, Tarasenko got traded. Was that a guy that he liked to be with, the, his teammate? Uh well, I think it was because he wanted to play uh, with Panarin, but he said it's not like it's not like the happiest I've been to hear is what he said about when they traded for Vladimir Tarasenko. So essentially, he thought he was going to the Rangers, and it looked like they had a deal with Patrick Kane. But then all of a sudden, the Blues came in with their offer, and Chris Drury obviously liked it, and rightfully so. And he would have been stupid not to take that deal for Tarasenko. So that's why he didn't ultimately go for the Patrick Kane trade just yet. And also he was, there were questions about his health in particular, his hip. So that was another area of concern. And then there's also the fact that he's 35. However, we also have to remember, this is a guy who's playing for a team that has had a major fall from grace and, you can essentially blame the front office for that. And I'm not going to get into the whole situation as to what happened in that fall from grace. If you heard the news, you pretty much know why the Blackhawks are a disgraced organization. Well, I think both shows talked about it actually with the whole management situation, the bullying situation. I think with the the black guys, Oh, bullying Nick bullying is, too mild of a word to describe. Well, you, I'm just saying that's how it started. But yes, it, it went up and up and up and got worse. And then there was the fact that their owner made those comments saying, oh, we're not going to talk about it. Like, no, that that was horrible. But, well, that that was dumb. I mean, if you're not going to talk I digress, about it. But getting back to the Blackhawks for a minute. Yeah. Patrick Kane, if, if you've watched his highlights this year, he's not washed up. He still ha- like has it. Like, he had a hat trick not too long ago against the Toronto Maple Leafs. So anyways, getting back to Kane, he had a very small list of teams that he wanted to be traded to. One of them was the Maple Leafs, but now it looks like the Maple Leafs are out because they got those two veterans from the St. Louis Blues and Achiari and Ryan O'Reilly. The, so then that leaves the Rangers. And let me tell you something. You add Patrick Kane to the Rangers let me let me read off what the lines will look like. Kreider, Zabenejad, Tarasenko is one potential line. Panarin, Kane, and Vinny Trachek. The kid line. And then the and if you have Jimmy VC and Barkley Goodrow going along with, with Tyler Mott on your fourth line, I will take those chances going into the playoffs any day of the week 
and twice on Sundays. <laughs> so if you're a Ranger, you have every reason to be excited about this possibility. Now, look, I know there was the Rangers were in a bit of a slump lately. They did lose four, I believe it was um four games in a row. It was three or four games in a row, but I barely got to watch them because I was on vacation. And let's not talk about that. But I get home the next day. I go to the Garden. They beat the Kings 5-2. This is the game that will forever be remembered as the Andre Miller-Smith game. But I don't really want to get into that incident. I don't think Miller did that on purpose. But no matter what you think, that was not a good look on his part. Right. But back to Kane. The, it's only a matter of time before this deal gets done. And it could very well be done by the time this episode gets published. The only thing is they're just finagling, finagling stuff with regards to the salary cap around this. And they're essentially doing a lot of gymnastics, but this is a good thing that it's taking a while to get done because the closer it gets to the deadline, the less leverage the Blackhawks have, because remember Kane's a free agent after the season. So, they know that there's not really much that they can like, you know, ask for from the Rangers. And so look, this is going to be a win for New York. And I know what people are saying about Patrick Kane and about his past. And I don't want to get into the sexual assault allegations that happened in 2015. Look, did he do it or not? We'll never know at the end of the day. He wasn't convicted. Does that mean he's necessarily a good person? No, because there were other incidents that happened with Patrick Kane. However, as far as Patrick Kane, the player goes, I have always enjoyed watching that guy play every, every time. Always. Like I knew the Blackhawks were, had something special in the making back in like 2010. So I'm not surprised that they won three cups, even if that dynasty is kind of looked at in a different light nowadays, but you put him on the Rangers. You're talking about a guy who has been there, won multiple cups, knows what it takes. Think about how a lot of the guys are, the young players on the team are going to be starstruck playing with him. I think that you putting him on the Rangers essentially is going to have the same effect that putting Marty St. Louis on the Rangers did back in 2014. But also, if you look at Patrick Kane's stats in the playoffs, he is time and again proven to be a clutch performer when the, when the stage shines brightly. Sometimes players, you know, they play for a great team, but then they decline. Sometimes they just need to change the scenery to elevate their game. I mean, look at Justin Verlander going to the Astros. I think that's a big example. Now you have Patrick Kane potentially going to the Rangers to join uh, some all-stars. Like, we're talking about a potential super team right here. Like, I am not exaggerating. Well, let me ask you something. So, do you think the Patrick Kane move makes them a Stanley Cup threat? Yes. But, even with who they have, the Rangers still are an insanely deep team. But I'm saying is, do you think this is like the put you over the top move. I think, I think it could potentially be that because I mentioned a lot of the guys on the top four lines. You have, you have good defensemen such as Adam Fox, who very well might win the Norris trophy. You have Ryan Lindgren, who unfortunately is dealing with injury, but I think he'll eventually be back for the playoffs. You got 
Braden Schneider, Keandre Miller, Jacob Truba, who's pretty much the leader. I mean, he's the captain. And then I didn't even mention Igor Sturk. And, and I know Igor's been dealing with a bit of a slide, but he had a good bounce back in the win against the LA Kings. And you know Igor is probably one of those goalies that's going to turn it on come the playoffs. And look, like I said, is the Eastern Conference going to be a bloodbath? Absolutely. But I think the Rangers already have as good of a chance as other teams. But if you add Patrick Kane there to the roster and into the mix, then you just increase your chances big time. And, you know, we'll see. Hopefully they'll have it in them. Let's say they get past uh, the second round into the third get revenge on the lightning and then hopefully they're not too exhausted come the finals. But I don't want to get ahead of myself. I let's, let's get there first. So basically the NHL trade deadline, I was looking it up. I think it's March 3rd. It's uh, actually, I think it's in a few days. Right. I, well, I just looked it up. It says NHL trade deadline, March 3rd at 3 PM. Uh, yeah, so correct. do you think the Kane deal to the Rangers is going to get done before then? It's going to get done right around that time, I think. Okay. Yeah, because, I again, or do you get the James Dolan curse and somehow he ends up going somewhere else? No. No. And, again, here's why I don't – that's a non-issue for me. James Dolan doesn't run the Rangers in the same light that he runs the Knicks. It's a good point. And, Remember, a lot of players want to join the Rangers. Like Tarasenko, if you look at his press conference the day that they made that trade, he was very happy to be coming to the Rangers. And Artemi Panarin, let me look at Artemi Panarin for an example. If you read my article, I said that he he came to the Rangers despite the fact that they didn't even offer him the most money. Do you know right. why? Do you know why the Rangers are one of the most attractive landing spots? Because they're a big market team and. Say what you want about James Dolan. He actually takes a really good care of his players. He provides them with a lot of really good amenities and like good food and really good flights. So there's a reason why you often hear the Rangers as a big team with regards to like deadline de- destinations. Right. So and also yeah. it's it's not like it's not like basketball where like, you know you have guys that like have that superstar mentality. Like this is a sport where like you can tell the guys like really want to win and they're going to like put their pour their blood and guts out on the ice every night. (laughs) That's true. It's a good point. So no, I don't really look at it as the James Dolan curse. And even then James Dolan's actually made some decent moves since like with the Rangers, believe it or not. Okay. I know that might sound crazy coming from me, but (laughs) All right. Uh, I'm sure you and Johnny will catch up more on after the trade deadline next week. And I'm uh, sure you'll probably see a written article from yours truly regarding the trade. ETBpodcast.com. Um, all right. Let's. You have something like, else, Dad? Uh, no. I pretty much said what I said. You knew what you were going to get a heated, passionate rant out of me. And no, that's the best type. Which regards to the Rangers and. Um, I'm, I'm just absolutely salivating. That's all I can say. <laughs> well, speaking of salivating. And one of these days, you, you're coming with me to a game one of these days. I'll do it. I'll do it for sure. 
Um, speaking of salivating, the Chiefs. Now, we were following this last week. Uh, Eric Bieniemy, uh, which leads to this story headline here, who left the Chiefs after winning the Super Bowl. The offensive coordinator is now the offensive coordinator of the Commanders, which now led to Matt Nagy getting a second stint as the Chiefs' offensive coordinator. Now, again, I kind of scratch my head on this whole situation. Again, with Bienemy, I why would you make a lateral move going from the Chiefs to the Commanders when the Commanders are going to be in rebuild mode? Especially, and I'll give you a good laugh, they just released uh, Carson Wentz. Yeah, it's definitely – let me think about – I think about it like this. I mean, Matt Nagy is a guy that has worked with Andy Reid in the past, so I don't know if I'd necessarily say that's a bad hiver. And considering you have Patrick Mahomes as your quarterback, is this really a big deal? Probably well, not. What I don't understand, though, because he was not getting a head coaching job, and we've – Eric Bieniemy has been a topic of discussion for at least the last three or four off seasons for potential head coaching positions. And some people are saying that he's not, he's, he hasn't interviewed well. Some of it, some people think it's the criminal alleged criminal history that happened in Colorado or whatever it is. I, we don't know. I think it's the criminal history more so than anything else, because a lot of teams look at background checks with regards to the coaches they hire. Right. But I'm just saying is it makes no sense because Matt Nagy stunk like really bad or um, Hackett. To be fair, he also had Mitch Trubisky as his quarterback. Right, but he got an instant head coaching position. The enemies had to fight it for like four years, five years, and he still has not gotten a head coaching position. And he had to make a lateral move to a team that's going nowhere for the next four or five years. Because he didn't want to be in Andy Reid's shadow anymore, which makes no sense. I mean, it does and it doesn't. It makes sense in the sense that you wanted to get get out of Andy Reid's shadow, and I think that might be the best shot for him to ever get a head coaching job. But at the same time, yet I don't disagree. It, it does feel weird that he hasn't like really gotten a real opportunity. But wouldn't you rather if if you're if you're going to make a lateral move? Wouldn't you rather just stay in Kansas City and win another two, three titles with Patrick Mahomes? Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I mean, who's the who's going to be the starting quarterback for the Commanders? Uh, probably Sam Howell. Who, fun fact, apparently, according to some random article I saw, he only eats chicken. Really, chicken's like the only meat he consumes. He said. <laughs> oh, it's reminds an awkward. Me, reminds me of a camper that I had years ago. <laughs> But it, that's a, that just goes to show you how weird that situation, <coughs> excuse me, is in Washington. Um, speaking of Washington, also as well, Jeff Bezos, Bezos, excuse me, uh, according to a source, hired a firm to help consider the commander's bid, and uh, according to Daniel Snyder, he's trying to shut out Jeff Bezos from the selling process or from the buying process. Um. Uh, what do you make of this? Because I don't know what to make of this. I mean, I think the real question is, if he buys the team, will the novelty wear off? <laughs> I thought it was a conflict of interest, though, because Amazon is a TV partner of the NFL. And tell me if I'm wrong. 
Well, will the novelty wear off? Probably. If I had to take a guess. Mm-hmm. But or how long? Or no, let me rephrase that. How long will it be until the novelty wears off? Uh, very shortly. I don't know how long, but I just shortly. Um, and then just some other headlines. This one I saved because I thought it was funny. Uh, Russell Wilson wanted uh, Pete Carroll fired. Did you see this? That I feel like that's something we kind of had a feeling was true all along, though. Am I wrong? Right, but it just can, it, can it, I mention? Can I mention why it makes sense? Go ahead. Did you see reports that at least like fifteen Broncos like called him out? What called out Pete Carroll or Russell Wilson? Oh, Russ. They well, said that he basically was a quarterback who acted like a coach. He had his own office. Well, yeah, we we talked about that over the last couple of weeks, that Russell Wilson apparently had his own office and all that nonsense. And now that you have, um, what, Sean Payton down there now? I mean, he's he basically told uh, Russ, uh, you're not having an office anymore. Get lost. Like, it just it goes to show you that this situation has never ever changed. I mean, it's Wait, a giant... Where's, where's the banner? Oh, I don't have the banner. Ugh. Broncos country, let's ride. Yeah, it's essentially a Broncos country, let's ride. I mean, it's a weird situation. It's a horrible situation. And Russell Wilson apparently tweeted out after it and said, I never... Uh, made a uh, a speculation or a statement saying I wanted P. Carroll file. Yeah, sure you didn't. Sure you didn't. Why? Why you always lie? <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't even thinking about that one. You're right. You mean uh, why this? Why the fuck you lying? Why you always lying? Mm, oh my god! Stop fucking lying. I mean, Russ, I think his reputation is basically gone at this point, right? It's crazy. I've never seen a quarterback so popular just lose it like that. It's like the snap of a finger. He lost it. It's like, that's what's so crazy. Um, But yeah, the the Broncos are going to be a mess. Is Sean Payton going to help this situation? I, I don't know. That that'll be an interesting situation to see. Um, all right, one more one more story. I saved this one for last because you and I were laughing about this before the show started. Milwaukee Bucks co-owner Mark Lazary has reached an agreement to sell his portion of the team to Cleveland Browns owners Jimmy and D Haslam at a three point five billion dollar valuation. Oi. Oh no! Does that mean they're offen- they're essentially cursed the the Bucks? I mean, sound the alarms! Because <laughs> they're going to destroy another team now. Well, <laughs> I don't know. I don't think Jimmy Haslam reach is going to re- stick his hands in the cookie jar in Milwaukee like he does in Cleveland, but that's still pretty wild. If I'm not mistaken, I think he he's going to own like 25%. Oh. 
And I was like, holy crap, 25%. He's going to destroy another franchise. He's already destroyed the NFL. Now he's going to destroy the NBA. Way to go. Yikes. I mean, can you think of any other weird situation where an owner crosses over to another sport and it would be a disaster? Um, well, I would say uh, Terry Pagula with the uh, Buffalo Sabres. That would be bad. Or, or how about the... Well, or, Terry Pagula with him owning both Buffalo teams. Or the one you said to me earlier. Um, oh, my God. Why am I forgetting? Uh, the White Sox owner. Oh, Reinsdorf? Oh, God, he's horrible. But he, how many teams does he own? He owns the White Sox and the Bulls. Can you imagine if he owned an NFL team? Well, I feel like if he owned the Bears, he would make the he'd make the McCaskies look um, <laughs> look like they throw money, look like they're uh, good with money. It's a good point. You're right. The McCaskies aren't much better than 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 Reinsdorf. Actually, I just thought of another name. Um, who's the guy that owns uh, Fanatics that owns a bunch of teams? Oh, Josh something. I think I know who you're talking about. I can't. He owns the Devils. He owns the Sixers. uh, Harris. Harris. Josh Harris. Yeah. He's another one that owns. I think he owns three teams, if I'm not mistaken. Right. I don't remember the third one, but I know he owns the Sixers and the Devils. Looking it up right now. Let me see. He owns the Sixers, the Devils. Oh, and he has a stake in the Steelers. I had no idea. And apparently he has a stake in the in a English Premier League team. God, this guy's rich. It must be nice to have a team in every sport. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine if like if we could have ownership stakes in a in a team in every sport? What that would be like? Oh, that would be well, that that's Packer fans essentially. You do know that even though you buy shares in the Packers, you you have no say in the decision making whatsoever. I don't know if you knew that, <clears throat> but um, yeah, if you own Packers stock, you don't uh, have any official say. Well, unless you're Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's. That's pretty much it. Uh Hank, do you have anything else left to add or no? Um no, not really. But uh yeah, this was an interesting episode between baseball, between NHL trade deadline, NFL moves, uh the Browns are gonna destroy the Bucks and the NBA. What could Brown do for you in the NBA? Never thought I'd have to pull that phrase out again. Um But yeah. Make sure you follow the show on social media at Game On ETB. Follow the Empty Bench Podcast Network at ETB Network across social media platforms. Uh, follow Hank at RangerHanky96. Follow myself at NMorgason Radio. Follow Johnny Montabano, who will be back next week at Montabano NY. Um, but yeah, uh, any last words before uh, we go? Severance. Severance. <laughs> or your new word, logjam. <laughs> that's probably going to be your new phrase watch now that we don't have uh, contracts to deal with anymore 
But uh, yeah, that that'll do it for episode forty four of Game On. For Hank and Dichter, I'm Nick Morgison. Johnny Montalbano will be back for episode uh, forty five. Holy cow, forty five episodes for this show. Um, but yeah, that'll do it. Uh, like I said, Hank and Dichter, Nick Morgison. Uh, good night, everybody. See you next week.